0: Hello, I'm Sergey Khrushchev, and I'm uh, the doctor, and I'm professor at the Brown University. I'm son of the former Soviet leader, and I have the privilege to be on the Dr. Sky radio show. I think it's very interesting and very informative. I hope that we'll be here not one time in the future. Спасибо за приглашение на ваше радиопредставление. И это очень интересно и очень информационно. И люди узнают все эти новости, которые происходят в мире. И я с удовольствием поучаствую в ваших шоу в будущем. Welcome
1: back to the exciting show that we call the Dr. Sky Show with great guests from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather, with celebrity guests in the mix. And today, ladies and gentlemen, a very special treat for our entire audience as we welcome the son of former Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev, Dr. Sergei Khrushchev. And we'll be talking with him in just a few minutes, not only about space. Sputnik, and about the American and Russian relations during this particular current administration. Dr. Sergei Khrushchev is the son of former Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev. He now resides in the United States, where he is a senior fellow at the Watson Institute for International Studies at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. Dr. Khrushchev holds several advanced engineering degrees from the Ukrainian Academy of Science. He earned his Soviet doctoral degree and he earned a Ph.D. from the Moscow Technical University. In addition, he earned a master's degree with distinction from the Moscow Electric Power Institute. He also holds an occasional professorship at the Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island, meaning he is not a full-time professor, but does teach there fairly often. Dr. Khrushchev is joining us today and talking about his experiences as an engineer. And also, in his capacity, worked on cruise missiles for submarine craft, military and research spacecraft, moon vehicles, and the very successful Russian Proton Space Booster. With that, it's a privilege and an honor to welcome Dr. Sergei Khrushchev to the Dr. Sky Show. Good afternoon, Doctor.
0: Good afternoon. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, it's a privilege it's, for me to speak with you.
1: It's an honor to have you here on the Dr. Sky Show. We speak, a Doctor, about the realms of astronomy, Hello. space. In aviation and all things like that. But I wanted to ask you, in such a position as being one of the children of former Soviet Premier Nikita, Nikita Khrushchev, tell us what it was like to be living in this very famous family and some of your recollections during the early days of the space program with Yuri Gagarin.
0: When oh, we talk about the recollection, how you can live in the prominent family, you can look at the White House. At the Buckingham Palace or any others, it's the same in Moscow Kremlin, even we never live in Kremlin, because you have all this limitation and you have all the time, remember that everybody looking on you and it is uh, reflected on your father, on your family. So my parents told, don't forget that you are Khrushchev. And you mustn't do this and that and this and be very careful. And from other side, don't remember that you're Khrushchev, but you're not that Khrushchev. And you have to have your own life. Yes. And and do your life for yourself and be just a self-made man, what I did when I went to work in the engineering. And I remember very well uh, the Yuri Gagarin when he flew there and we waited when he was be launched, but nobody know will he return? How he will return? Is it safe to be in space? And you have uh, just uh, be, uh, your brain will be affected. So we waited and waited, and at, la- at last it was the signal. But he is on the ground, and he landed safely and he called my father, and he reported that he there, and my father told, we will make you a great uh, reception when you will come, and after two days, on the April 14, it was sunny and warm day, he arrived in Moscow on the special plane with the escort of the fighter jets, mm-hmm. and then it was in the lima, he just Travel on the cartage from the airport to the Red Square, and all Moscowites were outside. They were on the streets, on the balconies, on the windows, yes. on the roofs of the building. I can compare uh, this uh, celebration with the Victory Day on the May Nine in nineteen
1: forty-five. Wow, that's amazing, <laughs> Doctor. And you yourself, uh, your personal uh, remembrances of uh, Yuri Gagarin, you met him uh, on numerous occasions, I understand.
0: Yeah, I met him many times, and we met uh, just in the different official events, and he visited our design bureau, and we, and we have some party together, sitting there, drinking good food, uh, drinking water, vodka, eating good food. He was a very nice person, and it was... Not for uh, because he was selected because he was such a person, but it happened that he was very good fit for being the first man in space and uh, the biggest celebrity in the world. From one side, he was uh, the person which did not require special attention, he, but he accepted special attention very naturally. Even he which came not from the Prime uh, family, he was just yes. ordinary Russian family from the um, Russian small village in the Smolensk region.
1: Well, Doctor, it's a sad moment in time. We know that he sadly uh, was killed in an aircraft accident uh, not too long after that, uh, in Moscow, is that correct?
0: No, it was not. Not too long. He he flew uh, his flight in the nineteen sixty one, and he died on the training exercise in nineteen sixty seven. Oh, when uh, he wanted and he begged the government to allow him to fly to space second time. And the government told, no, your two pressures will not permit you. At last, they permitted him, and he planned to fly to the moon, and he's beginning his training exercise. And something happened that we think that his plane started to spiraling and then diving, and he did not go out from the diving, and he hit the ground. Oh, I'm so but sorry. It happened time by time
1: is a very sad moment in history you know as you know doctor we still celebrate here in the united states and i'm involved in it in celebrating yuri's night uh, his first mission of course the first man in space as you all know and what was he a hero of the soviet union is that correct
0: he was hero of the soviet union and he was hero of, and have the highest decoration from the most of the countries of the world i think he had more medals than brezhnev
1: Wow, that's incredible. Doctor, I want to remind our listeners that we were listening to the Doctor Sky Show. Great guests from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather. Our producer, as always, and we thank him as Richard Dugan of Radio Station KZSV, AM twelve ninety in Santa Barbara, California. If you're just joining us, ladies and gentlemen, it's a privilege and a high honor to have Dr. Sergei Khrushchev, the son of of Nikita Khrushchev, the first secretary of the Central Committee of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. Your father, let's talk about him for just a moment. If I'm correct, sir, he took over after Joseph Stalin. Is that correct?
0: Yes, he succeeded Joseph Stalin. Not immediately, because immediately the Stalin did not name the successor. And so they have uh, the two uh, center of the power one around my father, another around the minister of police, uh, Lavrenty Beria, who was a very sinister person, mm-hmm. and the first uh, Beria was in the highest position but uh, but for the months from the uh, March till the June, they con- the other people of the leadership concentrated around my father. And they decided to arrest Beria, what they did, I think, on June 24th. Mm-hmm. And after that, uh, my father was, became the uh, most important person in the Soviet leadership, I will say, that in such way.
1: Very interesting story. And if I'm correct, Doctor, your father was very passionate about agriculture and helping to feed the uh, people of the then Soviet Union,
0: Correct. My father was not so, say, he was patient about agriculture, but uh, the Stalin in his reign, he destroyed the Soviet agriculture, Mm -hmm. and it was not enough food. And even in Moscow, if you want to buy bread, you have to stay in line from 6 o'clock in the morning, because then it will be no bread in the bakery. So... The same as was no living space. The people live not in the apartment, not in the houses, but in the rooms. In one room of the 1,500 square feet can be six, seven, even up to ten people living there together. Yes. So he, my father, saw his prime obligation to feed people and to give them space to live. So his priority was agriculture and the building uh, uh, the new apartment building that for which he needed to create to find the new technology, and it was the not the building, the building from the bricks, but building them from the panels. That was very unusual at that time. So mm-hmm. he concentrated on the on mm-hmm. these two things and uh, spend a, a time with all of these things.
1: Dr. Khrushchev, if you'd just give us, as we move forward with our interview, just maybe some of the best recollections of your father, something that maybe people don't know about your father, Nikita, something that you'd share with our audience. What what might one of those be?
0: It is difficult to say because I wrote three big books about my father. They translated it in English, so, so you can read this. Your listener can read this. It is the... last book, it is Khrushchev in Power, Unfinished Reform, published in 2014, and Nikita Khrushchev in Creation of Superpower, published in 2000, and also Khrushchev on Khrushchev, published in 1990. But the main recollection when we're looking, we're looking at the Khrushchev like some person that all the time threatening the West and trying to say that I'm very you and other things that mm-hmm. really he never told us in such a way. But he was uh, the very good father. He liked us. We lived very close life. Mm-hmm. I have the brother and three sisters. We live together.
1: Yes.
0: And he liked, liked nature. He was a hunter and he liked pets. He had the two dogs and the cat and the canaries. And squirrels, squirrels were the pet in the Soviet Union. <laughs> and also uh, right. the people finding some small calves in the forest, and they brought to him. So we have uh, the deer, like a pet, and the fox. And the fox live in our house, yes. near the house, and he's boring. But he had not very easy relations with my grandmother, because my grandmother grew up in the Polish part of the Ukraine. And she she reunited with the family only in 1939. And she has her own, how to say, her her own- Yes. (laughs) Sick of being upsold at gyms? animals. Oh, this. Mm-hmm. It was the ducks and the geese and mm-hmm. the, the rabbits, but sure. the fox saw that it was his animals too. So he hunted and killed them, and she chased them, so she, the fox disappeared during the day, and nobody saw him. But when my father returned from the office and went to the walk, and I walked with him, mm-hmm. the fox appeared from some from nowhere, and join us, and walk to, we walked together, three of us, and then folks disappeared for the next uh, uh, three days. We have the goat there that was also living around, and they were the bodyguards who were surrounded the, sure. the official residence, and they had, had nothing to do, so they taught the goat to smoke, and they and the goat became the smoker coming to the people and just showing them that it wants to smoke. give me the cigarette. So I can say that he was a very good person, and the Mm -hmm. person who was mostly concerned about improving life of the Soviet people, and he never thought about possibility of the war against the United States.
1: Well, that's good to hear, Doctor, because now my next question, and then after this, I'd like to concentrate on Soviet and Russian space accomplishments, your accomplishments in the areas of space. But it now brings us to the very interesting period in history that you write so well about the Cuban Missile Crisis, as you know, sir, from October the 16th to the 28th of 1962. I was a young boy living in New York City, and from my perspective, and all the people in my age group, just young students, we were very worried, I'll be very honest with you, that not only would America do something but the Soviet Union might when it comes to this situation with missiles not only in Cuba, Russian or Soviet missiles, but also American missiles in Turkey. So describe to us this crisis, because did we or did we not really come the closest to potential nuclear war at any time during the Cold
0: War? Was this the time that it could have happened? The American missiles not only in Turkey, but also in uh, Italy and in the Great Britain Oh, But the biggest problem at that time and the biggest threat to the world that it was American psychological crisis, the mm. same as the psychological crisis when the Soviet Union launched Sputnik or 9-11. Yeah. And it is very difficult to manage psychological crisis because it was no... Um, the The people don't accept it. Any reasons. You cannot stop... Uh, the mob that is uh, running toward you. Mm-hmm. So, Americans were very scared that when these missiles would be ready, Soviet Union launched them against the United States, not asking why they will launch them from uh, the uh, Human territory, but not from the Soviet mainland. But this is the biggest problem of this crisis because you have to understand mm-hmm. that we live through the many other crises, but they happened far away from the United States. Sure, Americans had never enemies at the gates, different from the they were lucky uh, in comparison with Europeans or Asian, which have enemies at the gates all the time. Mm-hmm. So they thought that if if the other crisis like uh, Berlin crisis or Middle East crisis will spark the war they will kill each other but we will watch them on the TV Mm -hmm. and now they found that we are vulnerable the same as they are we can be killed, we can be dead and this created all these problems around uh, the world because when you are so scared, you can just start the war without real intention mm-hmm. and it was very difficult to the president uh, Kennedy to manage this crisis because yes. you have to manage that people who are uh, don't listen any reasons mm-hmm. and uh yes. we were lucky he was that he was a strong leader and that he did not uh, was not the person who first. Uh, Should uh, then think that he decided to negotiate in negotiating it was very important thing because when you're negotiating you're understanding what is the intention of the opposite side and what is the your own uh, vision of the thing and you can present this to the opposite side, sure, and through this at last. They came to the agreement that it will be good to the both sides, the Soviet Union and Americans, if they will they, the Soviet Union will take missiles out of Cuba, the mm-hmm. United States will never invade the Cuban island and it was very good negotiation they were very mm-hmm. successful similar to the negotiation uh, around the uh, Iranian nuclear program because you cannot have everything when you're bargaining if, you, if you're if buying the uh, house you're not paying that price that you wanted to pay mm-hmm. but uh, you're not charged as much as they who are selling you to want to charge you mm-hmm. so we have to have would satisfy both sides. You are correct. And of course, uh, it was also misunderstanding of the in the Cuban Missile Crisis because mm-hmm. Soviet Union sent the missiles to Cuba not because they want to change balance of power or attack United States or infiltrate the American uh, uh, sphere of the interests. Because when after the Berlin Pigs the mm-hmm. Fidel Castro declare that he is now is a Soviet ally, and he joined Warsaw Pact, the mm-hmm. Soviet Union had the same obligation to defend all his allies, the yes. same as Americans. Mm-hmm. And the Cuba became, for the Soviet Union, the same as the West Berlin for the United States. Yes. small useless piece of land, deep inside, hostile territory, but if you'll not defend uh, uh if you'll not defend uh, them, you will lose your face as a superpower yes. and this was the biggest problem there exactly because Soviet Union didn't know how to defend the Cuba. Uh, my father told I cannot defend them diplomatically because Americans will not listen to me in the mm-hmm. United Nations. I cannot use conventional forces because America control communication we need shock to show Americans that we are serious, yes. and he decided to send their missiles and it's worked. you see yes I do we still existed.
1: Well, Doctor, this is very fascinating, but as a young boy, you lived those days in the Kremlin, of course, or near there. No, I I
0: never lived in Kremlin. Okay. It is one of misunderstanding. I live in the outskirts of Moscow, where they have the governmental governmental, uh, residence. residence. Well, thank goodness. In the Kremlin, they live, the revolutionary leaders like Lenin, Stalin, and some others after the revolution, but my father was the second generation, and there was never lived there. Understood.
1: Well, thank goodness, Dr. Khrushchev, that the world came to its senses, and I think the simple thing we could both agree on in this interview and many others is that we need to have, with every country in the world, better understanding of their cultures, their missions, and better to be negotiators than to be warriors, obviously, correct? Yeah, that is
0: that is true. Yep. That is true because it is very important to understand the nature of our of our two countries, the nature of the people, and so it was very important this uh, the program of the President Eisenhower, people to people diplomacy, when he told when ordinary people will meet other people from the other countries, they will better understand each other, and mm-hmm. uh, after that they will uh, better deal with each other. I agree, This program Director. is beginning of the beginning of this mutual introduction.
1: Absolutely. Our special guest today, Dr. Sergei Khrushchev, he's the son of former Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev. Dr. Khrushchev now resides in the United States, where he's a senior fellow at the Watson Institute for International Studies at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. Dr. Khrushchev is kind enough to take some time out of his busy schedule today, recollecting about his experiences with his father, world history, and then, of course, discussing now the importance of the Soviet Union in space and Russia. Doctor, you have a vast background in engineering and aerospace, and I want to congratulate you for all the great successes on the designs that you and the Soviet Union then and, of course, the Russian space scientists have created an amazing story here, folks. But tell us, Doctor, what's the passion? What was the passion for the Soviet Union for space? This, of course, uh, is amazing to our listeners. Talk about that.
0: When we talk about passion, it was not really passion, I will say. Mm -hmm. It was necessity, because uh, at that time, in American Congress, they endlessly discussed when we will attack Soviet Union, how many countries we will uh, cities we will destroy mm-hmm. it depend how many uh warheads at that time the United States had, and the Soviet Union has to defend itself, and that means they have he, they we have to have ability to retaliate and my father thought what we can do, and at last they decided to try to build the ballistic intel uh, Cantano uh, missile. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they have different designers, but Karalov started to design this missile. And the person who was in charge of this uh, designer, the engineer, he was more interested in the launching the Satellite in space So they designed missiles And at the same time They designed the uh, Satellite And when my father Visited Karalev Design Bureau In 1956 And they showed them the missile And then they brought him To the special uh, the Corner And showed we can launch the satellite and my father told yes it's very interesting he was very curious in the in the in any innovation but he sure. told will not it hurt the your real goal to build the missile they told no no we will do it mm-hmm. and they launched it on the October mm-hmm. 4th 1957 it was the Karalev mm-hmm. behind all the things because he was mostly interested to do this and he thought that because it was planning the uh, com- uh, the meeting of the mm-hmm. geophysical committee, it was yes. geophysical E at that time, and the American will report there about the, their satellite, he thought that they will report about launching their satellite, so he mm-hmm. told to all his people, we have to do it before them they meeting on the 5th we have to launch it on the 4th and he launched it and he reported to my father who was at Kiev at that day mm-hmm. and told we did it we're very successful but we didn't understand what the resonance it will be in the world we thought it was a great achievement mm-hmm. but uh, similar to the many other achievements of our country including the uh, Designing the first nuclear power station uh, the uh, first passenger uh, jet plane, and some others, sure, so it was two hundred pages on the right first uh, page of the Soviet newspapers, that's saying that saying of the planning of the international geophysical year mm-hmm. we did this is great achievement. Oh, yeah. But in the world, especially in the United States, it was a shock. And it was the headlines everywhere. It was starting fear in the United States. If Americans, if Soviets launch the Sputnik, so they can launch the missile and they can attack us. And sure. it was very difficult to predict either how to tell. My dear Americans, hmm. we're still much ahead of the Soviet Union. We have... The, our superiority, they will no attack us. Nobody wants to listen to him. So when this, we look and we see what is this have such psychological and political effect on all these people in the world, mm-hmm. it was next day when it uh, it was in the first head, big headlines in the first pages of the Soviet newspapers saying yes, it is our greatest achievement. And after that the space became very popular of course in the Soviet Union and like mm-hmm. everywhere in the world. Yes. And and we focus on all these things.
1: Well you had many Soviet first, like Valentina Tereshkova being what? Valentina the first female?
0: Tereshkova, it was the first Yuri Gagarin and Valentina Tereshkova. Mm-hmm. and and it was and the first uh, working on the open space with the Leonov, sure, and many others.
1: The Soyuz mission with Apollo, right? The the linking yeah. together in yeah. space. But these are great Soviet achievements, great Russian uh, rocket, uh, you know, great successes in the Russian space program. And doctor, it's an honor to have you here because our audience primarily always likes to hear guests that talk about the history of space, aerospace and things of that type. And I want to move on, if I may, but one other quick comment. The Sputnik was the satellite, about a 184-pound little tiny sphere, but wasn't it not the rocket? It was the R-7, how do you say, Semyorka? Was that the, the, yeah. the rocket? This uh,
0: Semyorka, that means seven. R-7, it was the rocket, R it's mm-hmm. the rocket, and the seven, it was just the number of the, uh, of the design. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. And, and it was intercontinental missile mm-hmm. and they have the capability to launch much uh, bigger bigger payload than American Vanguard missiles than any others because it was a mistake in the calculation. Mm-hmm. The Soviet Union built the missile that can carry three megaton warhead mm-hmm. and the Americans built the missiles Atlas and Titan which can carry three megaton warhead. Yes. But the Sakharov, Andrei Sakharov, mm-hmm. later well known in the United States, who was in charge of the building this weapon, he mm-hmm. miscalculated three times. Wow, I didn't and know that. And he told that it will be much, a much bigger weight, about six metric ton. Mm-hmm. So the Atlas and Titan missiles was had there about ninety ton on the ground, and the Simurka, the R-7, have 270 tons that make it really not not the missile. It never uh, was used as a mm-hmm. missile, but uh, the big launcher, and it was able to launch much bigger payload than any American missile.
1: Fascinating story, Doctor. It's always a pleasure to have you here talking about these particular subjects. One that I needed to get clarification on, Korolev's rocket the N1 was allegedly larger than the Saturn V is that correct?
0: No it was more or less uh, the same uh, mm-hmm. the same but uh, it's deliver much less payload to the I uh, to the orbit uh, of the Earth because the Americans can deliver 129 ton on the orbit, and the Korolev N1 could deliver only uh, 95 metric ton because mm-hmm. Korolev has some mistake on his calculation, and he broke his relations with the best engine designer, Mr. Glushko, so he Mm. cannot build such efficient uh, uh, rocket engines like it was in the Saturn. So it was much smaller payload that really would not permit Korolev to fly to the moon, even if it will be successful testing N It is my assessment.
1: Interesting, Doctor. A few closing questions here, and again, we appreciate your time. I wanted to ask you about this. As we heard, of course, in America and around the world, that uh, Neil Armstrong on July the twentieth, nineteen sixty-nine, and Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon. Where were you when the moon landing took place,
0: and what was your reaction? I was in Chernobyl. There's no Chernobyl. Yes. You, uh, they had uh, this nuclear power station that exactly. grew up in nineteen eighty. Yes, sir. Uh, nine, I think. But in 1965, they have there such peaceful river and the forests and the uh, sandy beaches. Mm -hmm. And we were on the vacation with our friends Mm -hmm. there. And we knew that Americans will land it on the moon. And one of our friends... To work for the KGB intelligence in Africa and he brought from there the small telescope. So mm-hmm. we look at the telescope in the moon, but we didn't see Americans on the moon. <laughs> That's interesting. So you were
1: actually looking at the telescope hoping to see of course we know you couldn't, but you tried nonetheless.
0: No, well, no, we didn't try, but we looked there because it was <laughs> great success not only for the americans but for everybody in the world when we saw mm-hmm. that we want to be the first yes. but when we were if american the first we of course uh, were envy but we were also proud for the all the humanity
1: well doctor was the was the soviet union close at all or no to going to the moon like we did back in 69 were they close
0: I don't think that they were close because it was the strong confrontation or, com- or we'll say the competition in the Soviet Union. Who will go for the moon? Who will make this design? Mm-hmm. It will be the Korolev, or it will be the Chalamet. It was two competitive designers who wanted to send the people to the moon, uh, the men to the moon. And it was competition inside the Soviet Union. And it was very strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, one of my friends who with whom we work and who was there in the committee, who were there, he told both of them, yes. we'll prefer American to the first to the moon. Wow. But the Karolov design was not really... As efficient as it have to be, so mm-hmm. I think that even if the Karalov will do everything successfully, he will not be able to go to the moon. But if they will decide that Karalev, that Chelame will be in charge of all this, it will be a very big possibility that Soviet Union can launch the Men to the moon more or less at the same time, yes. but I will remind you other thing that it was mm-hmm. two projects in the Soviet Union, one to send men to the moon mm-hmm. and then to send the robotic vehicle to the moon, yes, which was very close to bring the the lunar samples yes. of the ground mm-hmm. back to the earth, yes. and they launched it uh, just several weeks before, or days before the mm-hmm. Apollo. But the, lunar, the lunar
1: missions, right. They
0: could not, right. Uh, just leave the orbit of the Earth, mm-hmm. and they delivered there uh, uh, the solar, solar rocks later than Apollo, so nobody remember this, because the Apollo and the project to send the men of the moon was mostly the uh, political project. It was the mm-hmm. Kennedy who wanted to show, yes, we can do it. And Americans show that they can do it. Mm-hmm. So nobody was interested who will be the second except the scientists.
1: Exactly. They always want to know who's the first. And I do appreciate it. Doctor, our short interview today, just a few more minutes, and again, appreciate your time. We want to thank our producer, Richard Dugan of radio station KZSB, AM 1290, that is in Santa Barbara, California, for handling all of the production of the Dr. Sky Show. Two quick questions, Doctor, and then I'll ask you to stay on the line after we go to the top of the hour break here. One, okay. you, you are a United States citizen. It's not every day that we speak to someone so close to one of the former premiers of the Soviet Union. Your father Nikita Khrushchev, but you become a citizen and this is interesting. Tell us your passion for America now and the things that you're doing today in this world.
0: I like this country. I we came here in nineteen ninety one and became citizen in nineteen ninety nine. I'm also the Russian citizen. I have a Russian passport and I have American passport. Yes. And uh, I want to have very friendly relations between the United states and the and the Russia, mm-hmm. which really now in not in the good shape and I'm trying to find out what is the most interest of the United States and what is the interest of russia mm-hmm. in this from this point of view, my understanding of the national interest of the United States. I'm not in favor of the current administration, mm-hmm. and when looking at what is the main interest of Russia, I'm not in favor of the um, uh, Putin administration, yes. so both of them don 't like me I see Wow,
1: so maybe who knows? Maybe you can be the eventual peacemaker between the two and uh, bring well, us No,
0: I the... think the pe- yes. peace will come closely because it was the mistake that this administration wants to punish the russia because they have their own vision of their role in the world yes and sooner or later they will understand that it is different and uh, we have to create the friendship because the good diplomacy creating friends, the bad diplomacy creating enemies. And now we are bad diplomats on the both sides, on the relations with Russia, on the relations with the Middle East, with relations with Iran, because we cannot go there and mm-hmm. say, we want to behave different. For sure. example, like the President Nixon did with China, or like my father did with Yugoslavia.
1: Yes. Well, we need peace in this world, Doctor, and I, Bryn, salute you for being our guest and hope that uh, cooler heads will prevail. Our special guest, as we say thank you, and we'll be talking with him in just a few weeks on another radio show that I do. He's joining us uh, in a couple of weeks here as a one-hour guest in our live format. Dr. Sergei Khrushchev is now, ladies and gentlemen, a Senior Fellow at the Watson Institute for International Studies at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, His father, of course, the former Soviet Premier, Nikita Khrushchev of the Soviet Union. And I want to thank you, sir, for being here on the Dr. Sky Show. Stay on the line with us as we go to this break. And I do appreciate your part in talking about history and the many wonderful books that Dr. Khrushchev has written, not only on his father, but on all serious subjects, whether they be aerospace, space, and, of course, in the world of history and politics. Doctor Khrushchev, thank you for your time today. It's an honor. To thank stay on you. The line. Thank that you. concludes this exciting edition of the Doctor Sky Show with great guests from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather, and like today, special celebrity guests in the mix. I'm sure Doctor Sergey Khrushchev would agree. Doctor Sky reminds everyone to always keep their eyes to the sky. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank, thank you for the... invitation. It was very uh, privilege for me to be on your show. Thank you, Doctor.